0: Welcome to Motherhood Feels. Hindsight is 2020. I'm Dr. Jill Garrett, a licensed psychologist who specializes in maternal mental health and host of Motherhood Feels. Hindsight is 2020. Stay tuned for a Motherhood Feels conversation with seasoned mom Cassie Buckner. Cassie is a former teacher, now serves as a deacon at Riverside Presbyterian Church, where she is actively involved in grief ministry, and a mom to her 13 year old daughter Sophia. Cassie's medical health plays a significant role in her motherhood experience. From the age of 11 to 17, Cassie dealt with recurrent lung infections. She was ultimately diagnosed with obliterative bronchiolitis, a condition that required her to undergo a double lung transplant in order to survive. And she has done just that. Cassie has endured over 50 surgeries. One of those surgeries, an airway reconstruction in 2007, resulted in a severed vocal cord. As a result, Cassie speaks with a soft whisper and has to work harder to breathe. June of this year will mark her 25th anniversary of her bilateral lung transplant. For reference, lung transplant patients are faced with scary post-transplant statistics. The median survival following a lung transplant is four to six years, and very few live beyond 20 years. So 25 years is quite an amazing milestone. In addition to Cassie's strength and fortitude, she is also one of the first to bring you a casserole for good and hard things in life, is a hands-down fantastic friend, and is a self-identified hugger, something I am not. Listen in to Cassie's remarkable story, one that is full of grace and grit. Check her out next. Hi, Cassie, thanks for being here. Hi, Jill, thanks for having me. Let's start by getting some background. Tell me a little bit about who you are.
1: I'm Cassie Buckner, and I've lived in Jacksonville my entire life. I'm a retired teacher and the
0: mother to a now 13-year-old. Okay, great. Thanks for the background. And we have heard already that you are uh, dealing with and have dealt with health problems really for the majority of your life. And I know that your health has impacted uh, your experience as a mother as well. So could you tell us a little bit about um, your motherhood journey, how you got to be a mom to Sophia?
1: much said we can't force you to not carry a baby but we're going to highly advise against it and i remember i sat in the doctor's office and just cried after they told me that because i didn't really see a way around having a baby and also
0: Yeah, so you've had this transplant for almost 25 years as of June, which is remarkable. And then you heard the news um, as you were pursuing all these different health challenges, to kind of put it mildly. Um, And you were then grappling with this idea of you wanted to be a mom. But becoming a mom um, through carrying a baby would be a significant um, health concern for you. It would probably not have been a wise choice based on what the doctors are saying. Well, yeah. When you think about what it involves,
1: you know, when you carry a baby, you can't take certain medications. It puts a lot of pressure on.
0: Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world.
1: Mm -hmm. once she mentioned that I honestly didn't even know what that meant so of course I went home and googled everything and anything
0: about surrogacy
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and so let's think a little bit about that Um, my guess is you had to find a doctor and more information and have some support from the medical field around this all tell me the next steps in the process I asked her
1: I mean, this was fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. so surrogacy was not something that was. Um, it wasn't something people really understood back then. Mm-hmm. So I literally opened the phone book and found Florida Reproductive. Yeah, and that's where
0: I went, and so that's FIRM. I think is the acronym, right? Yes, yes. And there you worked with a provider I think you had a good connection with. And tell me a little bit about your experience moving through a firm. When I first
1: called and told them what I needed to do, what my situation was, they immediately put me as a high-risk person, which... Mm-hmm. Patience. So I went and met with him. He gave me the lowdown on surrogacy. And then he said, but you need to come back after you're actually engaged.
0: Okay. <laughs> so you got engaged, you I moved through um, your marriage, and then it sounds like you must have checked back in with uh, this provider.
1: involved with gestational surrogacy. Mm -hmm. With gestational surrogacy, which means someone else is going to carry an embryo that you and your husband create because there are different types of surrogates. You have to have a lawyer to draw paperwork. You've got to be cleared by your doctor's You have to find someone that's willing to carry your baby. Both people have to see a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And there is an emotional aspect and a financial aspect that are also very overwhelming.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would uh, certainly be a lot to have to endure. And then I'm imagining also your... Uh, navigating your own health and all that that entails. So tell me a little bit about what that felt like as you were pursuing attorneys, moving through psychological evaluations, um, looking to find a surrogate. What was going on for you during all of that?
1: It was very stressful, but
0: I had my eye on the prize, which Mm -hmm. was I was going to become a Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And you are determined, and I can imagine that you were really working hard to get all this accomplished. And as you were pursuing a surrogate, tell me a little bit about how you found the person who was going to carry Sophia. That was what.
1: two people that had said they were interested in being a surrogate willing to be a surrogate but for various reasons it didn't work out and the person that wanted up caring sophia was someone that i've known my half of my entire life and we were just having a random conversation one day I was actually crying to her because we we were at the end of our rope. We didn't think this was going to work. I did not think I was going to be able to become a mother. And she just said, Cassie, I always saw myself having a third baby. So after she told me that, I started crying. She started crying. I was like, when can you come to the doctor with me? And the next couple weeks, she was ready to go to the doctor. We had a consult, and then we started the process.
0: So tell me about the process.
1: I had to get my body ready for an egg retrieval because that's the first step. And creating an embryo is you have to get your eggs, your husband's sperm, put them together to make an embryo to eventually implant into the surrogate. So I went through my first round of in vitro where I had to give myself shots every day.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you a question about that. Um, I know from working with people who have gone through fertility treatment that it is a physically demanding process. It also has a emotional component to it. How was your experience physically and emotionally? Can you remember back um, 13 plus years ago about how it felt for you physically and emotionally?
1: Emotionally, I was drained and I was worried. Physically, it wasn't bad. I've had a bilateral lung
0: transplant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this was uh, not all that uh, challenging. It it wasn't all that bad.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, What was devastating, though, was halfway through the cycle, I went in for an ultrasound and had over
0: 30 follicles. Wow.
1: And I thought that was good. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Winslow was like, Cassie, you're going to have to let all these eggs go because if they keep growing you're gonna there's a chance that you could push fluid into your lungs Mm. Um, the polycystic ovarian syndrome is a concern when people go through IVF so I got sent home and was told to just let the eggs go
0: that would definitely be devastating and then what happened next
1: well in vitro is very expensive Mm -hmm. so I was already concerned about how are we going to pay for another round? Is my body going to be able to? Um, Because when I did the shots, I had to get off of some of my medications. Mm. So I was feeling side effects from that. And the thought of doing it all over again just felt devastating. And
0: um, I just, I felt worn out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you then have to kind of gather your reserves, both emotionally, perhaps financially, uh, to move forward. What happened next? After a couple months of
1: crying and feeling sorry for myself, I was like, I'm not going to give up. I want to be a mother. I went back and saw Dr. Winslow and I was like, we're going to have to figure out something. Mm -hmm.
0: the The process in doing that um, was then probably bringing Heather into the fold um, after you have created this uh, embryo. Tell me a little bit about what the next steps with a surrogate involved. Yeah. So
1: once we knew we had embryos mm-hmm. that were really good quality. Mm-hmm your embryo quality is a thing
0: yeah and
1: heather started to prep her body to receive the embryo because they want her body to be able to take it so it'll stick to the Mm -hmm.
0: lining yeah so she is working to get herself in probably a physically um you know well state And how was the communication between the two of you as you're um, working on your end to work to create the embryo? And then on her end, she's working to kind of get herself physically ready. How are you um, communicating or maybe not in this process? We
1: communicated every day. I mean,
0: at the time I
1: was demanding and controlling and she was very, very patient with me in the shots that she had to use were way bigger than the shots I
0: had to use. So. Okay. So she was patient. She was having to deal with her own um, physical challenges. And then uh, when did you, uh, what, what happened next? What 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 happened um, in terms of the, the implant or implantation?
1: <laughs> so Heather agreed that she would try three times mm-hmm. in case, you know, it's, it's, it's unlikely. Just put one embryo in, that it's going to take a lot of people. Put in two embryos, sometimes three. I did not want to risk having twins. Mm-hmm. We put one embryo
0: in, and it took. Wow! So that uh, was some good fortune, it was and a miracle. yeah, that's amazing. And w- tell me what um, what it was like when you learned about this. How did you learn? Where were you? What was the reaction? I was in my classroom on a planning
1: day with my best friend at the time. Mm-hmm. The and they call with your HCG, level. and there's HCG levels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just started crying.
0: That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was the best day of my life. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then my sense is you are now all embarking on this pregnancy journey together, um, and what do you recall about that? I was still a controlling, crazy psycho. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and Heather carried Sophia for 41 weeks. Wow. Um, we spoke every day. I went to every appointment. I feel like even though I didn't carry Sophia, there wasn't anything that I meant.
0: Yeah, you were there for every step of the ride. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And um, as you got closer to the 41-week mark, tell me a little bit about what the thoughts were around delivery. Did you guys, my guess is you had probably discussions about what that would look like.
1: Well, Heather had, she had two children of her own Mm -hmm. that she had delivered naturally. Mm -hmm. And so with Sophia, I was like, you do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Get whatever medication you want. She was very adamant about delivering Sophia naturally. Mm-hmm. She had a very detailed birth plan. Mm. And
0: um, she did deliver Sophia naturally. And so when you say naturally, do you mean vaginally, without medications, a combination of all of that? She didn't want it, but she didn't want
1: medication. I see. So she didn't even want an IV. Mm -hmm. They forced her to have an IV because she had to have the Okay, Sophia was her longest, hardest delivery ever.
0: So tell me a little bit more about what you remember about Sophia's birthday. I remember
1: I tried to just kind of stay in the background because I'm a naturally high, strong person and I didn't my, my, my emotions to overflow on Heather when she was just a peaceful saint mm. doing her breaths, being calm. I'm yeah. literally in the corner, like freaking out.
0: That would be so hard.
1: Trying to just control the shit out of something that I can't control. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're off in the background around the corner and she's over here laboring Um, and then, and it sounds like it was a long process. Um, tell me when, what it was like when Sophia was there. My OBGYN at the time was also Heather's OBGYN. I also was very close with
1: my OBGYN and
0: she let me pull Sophia out. Wow. I didn't know that. Maybe I did and I'd just forgotten. She
1: was like, do you want to help? And I was like, no. She was like, Cassie. And I was like, all right.
0: (laughs) So what tell me about it. Well, I remember I
1: helped her pull Sophia out and I freaked out because Sophia's head was white. Okay. And I like thought something was wrong. Mm-hmm. I think most mothers don't clearly see their own baby coming out. Right. But, but when the baby comes out, when Sophia came out, clearly when they get oxygenated, uh huh. Their skin becomes
0: no. Yeah, and so here you are actually physically pulling her out, yeah. and what was, after she, she, she came out, and it sounds like she kind of became full of life, um, what happened next? I put
1: Sophia on my chest. I was, I mean, I was just shocked. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mm. Like it's like you would have never been able to tell she just pushed out a almost nine pound baby naturally. With oh my gosh. No medication. I laid Sophia on Heather's chest also mm. after Sophia's dad held her, mm-hmm. and Heather and I just cried together. Mm. I mean, it was a miracle that 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 worked as seamlessly as it
0: did i can kind of visualize the scene and i'm wondering what if any conversation uh you had with heather ahead of the birth about how involved or how not involved she would be after sophia was born i think
1: because we were friends already Mm -hmm. that that conversation just didn't even I knew she would always have a special bond with Sophia, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the role afterwards was never anything that we really discussed.
0: Okay. And Heather is now probably moved to recovery. Baby does what? So
1: Heather stayed in that room. I actually, which is the purpose of the lawyer. They have to go to the hospital to make sure the mother can have her own. All that set up, so I took Sophia with Brad to another room, and that's where we stayed.
0: Okay, so you stay in the hospital. I, yes, I mean we stayed. Right, and how long did you end up having to stay? I mean, do you stay the night and with the baby, or can the baby then we, go home? I don't even stay the night. Okay, and then Heather's recovering, and she's in her own space doing her own thing. Yes. Okay, um, and then I, I suppose once everybody gets to a space where discharge is ready. You then head home to your house with your baby. Yes, Heather was
1: discharged before us. Mm -hmm. I know she had to, you know, she had a lot of bleeding afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then Brad and I took Sophie home the next day. Okay.
0: Uh, What do you remember about taking her home? I remember it was raining and I was
1: sitting in the back with her. And I just remember I was like, Brad, just drive really, really slow. Mm -hmm. Like it's raining. We Mm -hmm. have a miracle baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't mess it up. We need to get this baby home.
0: (laughs) So she made it home, and you're now in this postpartum period. And I'm wondering what you remember about life in those early days.
1: I think for women that are able to carry their own babies, they've got this period of nine months where they – bond with the baby and they kind of get ready, their maternal clock just gets ready for this baby to come and and I went from, it's Monday, we're going out to dinner, getting the nursery set up, oh, it's Tuesday, we've got a baby.
0: Yeah, so the adjustment process was a bit more extreme, maybe. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was kind of night and day. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you now are home and navigating life with Sophia. And I'm curious uh, about how your health played into to that experience in the early days of Sophia's life.
1: I mean, there were there's so many things that I did not realize that that ended up being hurdles. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and, um, I remember you saying something about having to separate from her a little bit in the beginning because of some of the live viruses with vaccines and things like that. Tell me about that.
1: Yes, transplant patients are not allowed to receive live virus vaccines, Mm -hmm. or at least lung transplant patients are not. So when Sophia went to the doctor to get her shots, I had to be
0: away from her for a week and a half. Okay. (laughs) And was Brad just on solo duty during that time? Oh no, she got shipped to a grandparents' house. Okay. <laughs> there, there's never an option of Brad being on solo duty for a week and a half. <laughs> I think anybody having to do solo duty, even for a day, would be hard. But a week and a half with a, a newborn would be very tough. Uh, so then you get reunited and you are, you know, trying to, to figure out how to manage your health and, and Sophia looking back. At, at this all now uh do you have things that you would have wanted to have done differently that would have made the process easier or uh, just a bit smoother i don't i mean
1: looking back i don't know that there's anything i would have changed except maybe my own behavior mm. hmm you know I went through all this to have this baby. I've always known that my life could be cut short, but saying that and then actually feeling that once you become a mother it's 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 a different it's a different feeling hmm
0: yeah, and so what have you done around that because that would be really scary? And especially when you have a baby now, I can see how that would really heighten the
1: fears. I definitely got into therapy many years ago. I, I, I actually went and saw someone a year after Sophia was born because I really was
0: to do tell me what your screensaver says on the back of your phone oh you
1: saw that did you i mm-hmm,
0: did it says until death it is all life that sounds like a perfect mantra to hold on to and one that you obviously live by
1: yeah i it's it's so true that every minute Just, I mean, for me, every minute I've had is a minute I almost didn't have. Mm-hmm. So I think being a mom, sometimes it's so easy to just get lost in the day-to-day, the shuffle, the, the ins and outs of all the things. But um, for me, I always just try to bring it back to feeling grateful that I have my breath and that I'm alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
0: you have quite a remarkable story. Um, as you look through and kind of track some of the things we've talked about here today, are there things that I haven't asked you about or things that you would like to share that we didn't really touch on?
1: As morbid as it sounds, she did a couple weeks ago. So that was
0: just such a beautiful day for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. Well, I so appreciate you telling us your story, your experiences. We've just scratched the surface, I know. And because I know you, I think (gasps) there's a lot more to your life as well. And honestly, it could be podcasts and podcasts long, Um, but you have such a remarkable life, a great, great grit and resilience, and I'm so glad that you're my friend and that you have lungs that are superhero lungs that just keep you kicking. Do I get a 20-second hug now from you? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being here, Cassie. Thanks, Jill. Thank you.